Blog Talk Radio. We say very often as Christians, the king is coming back. And when he comes back, war will end, injustice will end, he will seize the reins of the government of the world, and he will rule with a compassionate rod. A survey on the religious life of Jews in Israel found that 67% identify as secular. So two-thirds of the Jewish population of Israel doesn't follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yet the Bible says that one day all Israel will submit to Christ as Lord. Why the change? And why does God choose to save an entire nation? For that matter, how does knowing any of God's future plans help you right now? John MacArthur considers that today on Grace to You Weekend. 
as he continues his current study, The Return and Reign of Jesus Christ. And now here's John. Now when Israel is saved, what happens? What all is involved in their redemption? That is the theme of chapter 10. Just exactly what occurs. What are the constituent benefits of salvation? Feature number one, the first thing Israel will receive is a divine redeemer. The divine redeemer. Verse four. Number two, divine reign. Verse one. So what is Israel going to get in the kingdom? A divine redeemer and divine reign. Thirdly, is going to come divine recompense. Divine recompense. Verse 2. For the idols have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore, they went their way like a flock. They were troubled because there was no shepherd. Now, here is the picture painted of Israel's dilemma. They've been obeying idols in their past. By the way, this is a reference to Israel's life before the captivity. This is in the past. Because after the captivity, they had not entered idolatry. But they worshipped idols, and they followed diviners, the occult, fortune tellers, witchcraft, soothsayers, all of that. They were into that, just like our society today. They had their idols and their diviners, and their idols spoke in vain, and their diviners told lies and gave them false dreams and comforted them in vain. They went, therefore, out like a flock, and they were troubled because they were a flock without what? Without a shepherd. Ezekiel talks about this and how tragic it was in Israel's history to be without a shepherd. It says in Ezekiel 34 and verse 6, My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became food to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, and he's indicting the priests and the prophets here, neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds. I will require my flock at their hand and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be food for them. He says, You in your selfishness and in your self-centeredness have used the flock to feed yourself. You used them to make your money and to provide your food by all the offerings they bring, and you've never fed them at all, and I'm against you because you've left them to wander without a shepherd. But such a shepherd would come. Further in the chapter, in verse 23, Ezekiel says, uh, verse 22 starting, Therefore will I save my flock. I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. And, of course, he has in mind ultimately greater than David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And then he closes by saying, I, the Lord, have spoken it. There was a time when they didn't have a shepherd. This is what he's saying in verse 2. There was no shepherd. And then in verse 3, he says exactly what Ezekiel said. Mine anger was kindled against the shepherds, and I punished the goats. And that's literally he goats, and it's a term used in the Old Testament to refer to leaders. Sometimes it refers to the chiefs. It is used 
uh, as a synonym for the chiefs in Israel and other passages. I will punish the shepherds and I will punish the chiefs. For the Lord of hosts has visited his flock, the house of Judah, and made them as his majestic horse in the battle. Now you say, wait a minute, what's going on? Now watch. Implied here is that what occurred in Israel's past, now watch this, what occurred in Israel's past, idolatry and the occult, for which God brought judgment on those shepherds, will occur again. And I think there is a latent prophecy here that the prophet sees in the future another idolatry in Israel, another involvement in the occult in Israel, because of the false leaders and the false teachers that will rise up in the future. And God will come again, and he will punish them in visiting his flock. He will literally turn his flock into a battle horse to act in judgment against these false teachers. You say, you mean that's actually going to happen in the future? I believe it is. You mean you believe that Israel is going to turn to worshiping idols and Satan and the occult? Yes. In fact, let me give you one illustration that will remind you that you probably believe that too. With whom does Israel make a pact in the tribulation? Antichrist. What does Antichrist immediately do? He sets up in the midst of Jerusalem what? An image to himself. And requires all of the humanity to bow to that image. The people, no question, will be trapped in this. The image, it says, will even speak. And so there will be occultism, and there will be demonism. Believe me, when the tribulation says that the, the doors of hell are open and the, and the demons are all let loose, there will be demons in the world like never before. And the occult will reign supreme. And no question about it in my mind that Israel will get engulfed in, in this kind of idolatry. They will make a pact with the Antichrist, according to Daniel 9.27. They will get engulfed in that system before they're pulled out of it. And that is really what Zechariah is saying. But then in the end, God will look with mercy on his people, and he will take that very nation which has been victimized by these phony leaders, and he will turn that flock of helpless sheep into a battle horse that will do war against those very shepherds and destroy them. And Jesus Christ himself will ride, as it were, on the back of the battle horse, which is itself Israel. So there's coming a day when God's people are going to experience a delusion, a deception that's incredible. And believe me, God is even going to allow it because he's going to allow, as it were, all hell to break loose right up to its limits. And when it's blown its last gasket, he's going to destroy it all. We know this is all the allowance of God because Isaiah 66, 4 says, I also, watch this, talking about the end times, I also will choose their delusions and I will bring their fears on them because when I called, none did answer. When I spoke, they didn't hear, but they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. I will choose their delusions, says God. I'll bring them on. And so God is going to allow the world to come into a delusion and Israel will be engulfed in it somehow and God in his wonderful grace will come in the midst of that delusion with a true shepherd to offer to them. The true shepherd, as it were, will get on their backs as they are transformed into the battle horse and they'll go out to conquer the ungodly. So the divine redeemer is part of Israel's redemption. The divine reign, wonderful blessing, both physical and spiritual, and divine recompense as God judges the ungodly and the false teachers. Fourth, Divine restoration. Divine restoration. Verse 5. This is very simple. We'll look at it just briefly. 
And here the Holy Spirit promises them marvelous power. Look at verse 5. And they shall be like mighty men who tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle. And they shall fight because the Lord is with them, and the riders on horses shall be confounded. And I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph. Those are just names for Israel. And I will bring them again to place them in their land, for I have mercy on them, and they shall be as though I had not cast them off. For I am the Lord their God and will hear them. And they of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man. Now I want to just pull that one thought out of there. A tremendous restoration is going to come. They will be literally transformed into the power of God. You know, if you study Israel's history, the only time they ever won a battle was when the Lord was in it, right? The only time they ever won. Israel never did win unless the Lord was with them. And that will be the case at the end. They'll literally trample their enemies in the mire of the streets because, verse 5, the Lord is with them. And verse 6, He is the one who will strengthen them. And the riders on the horses, that is the enemy, will be confounded. And the Hebrew word means they will be confused or they will be ashamed. It can mean either thing. And it probably means both. In their confusion, they will be ashamed of their inability to withstand and to be defeated. The world is going to go into a state of shock in the day when the King of Kings comes with his mighty people from Israel to win the great and final battle before the kingdom. By the way, Jeremiah 32:37 prophesies this very same thing, so this also appears in the former prophets. There's one interesting note. In verse 6, the house of Judah refers to the southern kingdom and the house of Joseph to the northern and the beautiful thought is here that God is going to restore the whole nation, north and south, one nation with one destiny. That's God's plan. And he'll bring them, I like this, to place them. After it's all over, he'll place them. Boy, what a great message it is to the wandering Jew, isn't it? Who's been wandering for so many years all over the world. And I love this. They shall be as though I had never cast them off. It'll be just like it was meant to be. I don't see how people can say God will never restore Israel. I don't see how people can say they'll never have a place in his final plan. God says here, it'll be as if I never cast them off, for I'm the Lord their God, and I will hear them. And they of Ephraim, another name for Israel, shall be like a mighty man. They'll be restored to the place of blessing. They'll be given the power that I intended for them from the beginning. I will place them. God is merciful. Say, why is God going to do this? I'll tell you why. He says in verse 6, because I am the Lord their God. That's why. In other words, I am Jehovah, and Jehovah is my covenant-keeping name. And I made a promise, and if I make a promise, what? I keep it. I'm going to do it because I promise to do it, and I make a covenant only to keep it. No longer will I be related to them lo ruhama or lo ami, the periods of Israel's history when they were separated. But from now on it will be you are my people and I am your God and no longer will Ichabod be written. This great restoration brings what I've chosen to call divine rejoicing. The end of verse 7. This is what it says. And their heart shall rejoice as through wine. <laughs> That's kind of good, isn't it? They're going to get happy like they've had just a little too much. Yea, their children shall see it and be glad. Their heart shall rejoice in the Lord. What a wonderful truth. 
Their heart shall rejoice in the Lord. Naturally, when God does all these things, when the Redeemer comes and everything begins to rain blessing and justice is meted against the enemy and restoration is brought to the nation, the natural response is joy. The joy here is intense. It's as if they had just had a little too much to drink. And the children are going to see it, and they're going to chime in. And everybody's going to be happy and rejoicing in the Lord. You know, Isaiah predicted joy in the kingdom. You know, when you think about it for Israel, this would be pretty great. They've been through a lot of sorrow. Listen to what Isaiah said would happen in the kingdom. Rejoice with Jerusalem. Be glad with her, Isaiah 66:10. All ye that love her, rejoice for joy with her, all ye that mourn, that ye may nurse and be satisfied with the breasts of her consolation, that you may drink deeply and be delighted, delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like a flowing stream. Then shall you be nursed. You shall be born upon her sides and be dandled on her knees. In other words, Jerusalem is going to be the mother, and she will be the rich, and she will be the full, and everybody else will just kind of bounce on her knee, and the joy that she has will be transferred to us. As one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. And when you see this, your heart will rejoice, and your bones will flourish like an herb, and the hand of the Lord shall be known toward his servants. That's what's promised. Great, great joy. The whole world bouncing, as it were, on the knee of Jerusalem. So, what does God promise Israel in the redemption? Divine Redeemer, divine reign, divine recompense, divine restoration, divine rejoicing. And how about another one? Divine regathering. They're all going to be together again. Now watch closely. I'm going to go through this quick. This is so good. Verse 8, your version may say, I will hiss for them. The Hebrew says, I'll whistle for them. God is going to step on the edge of his kingdom someday in heaven, and he's going to go, however you do that. And they're all going to come. A great thought. And I'm going to gather them because I've redeemed them, he says. I'll whistle for them. Check out Isaiah 5.26 and you'll find a, another reference to that whistling of God. Why? Because I redeemed them. It's my plan, folks. It's all my plan. I did it. I'm going to bring them back. I'm going to gather them. And then he says, and they're going to increase as they have increased. What do you mean by that? Well, they've been growing. Ever since they went into Egypt. You remember in Exodus chapter 1, when they went into Egypt, they increased like mad. They really increased phenomenally. And he says, as they have increased in the past, and at this time there, was a, there were many Jews, as they have increased in the past, they will increase perhaps commonly to what happened in Egypt, the phenomenal increase there. They're going to flourish in the kingdom. They're going to go like mad. They're going to populate. You see, now watch this. When Jesus comes at the end of the tribulation, those Jews that are redeemed will not die. They'll go into the kingdom in physical bodies. And they will occupy the earthly kingdom in their physical form. And they will have children. And they will live a long time. In fact, if someone dies at 100 years, they die a baby. So as long as they're living after the age when you can begin to reproduce, they will be having children. And the earth will literally proliferate with children. In fact, in Zechariah 2.4 it says, Jerusalem will be inhabited like a town without a wall because of the multitude of men in it. Now before that happens, verse 9 says, God has another plan. Uh, first we'll sow them among the peoples. He's done that, hasn't he? From 70 A.D. they were scattered and dispersed all over the world. He says, I'll sow them among the peoples. 
and they'll remember me in far countries, and they'll return again, not alone, but with their children, and I'll bring them again out of the land of Egypt and gather them from Assyria. And those are just symbols of all the countries where they're scattered. And I'll bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon, and place shall not be found for them. There's going to be so many, they're going to be crowded all over the place. Now, in order to gather all these people when God whistles, in order to, to make sure they all come running, God's going to have to remove some obstacles. And so in verse 11, he tells about that. And he says, He shall pass through the sea of affliction and smite the waves in the sea, and all the deeps of the river shall dry up. The pride of Assyria shall be brought down, and the scepter of Egypt shall depart. In other words, if he has to, the sea of affliction reminds us of the Red Sea when it was divided. The deeps of the river refer, no doubt, to the Nile, which was, is commonly designated by commentators in this context. And it would remind us of when the Jordan was divided. As God moves to bring him, if he has to, he'll dry up a sea. If he has to, he'll dry up a river. He'll smash the pride of a, of a belligerent nation like he did of Assyria. He'll remove any kind of dominance that Egypt might want to hold or any other nation. And again, Assyria and Egypt are, were traditional enemies of Israel that speak of any nation that would try to withhold God from fulfilling his will. And so he comes in 11 to say, I'll wipe out any obstacle to get my people back. That's what he'll do. So what does God promise? All these wonderful things. And then finally and lastly, a divine renovation. I will strengthen them in the Lord, and they shall walk up and down in His name, saith the Lord. That verse simply says there will be a total and complete spiritual revival. Maybe you'd rather call it divine revival. They shall walk up and down in His name, says the Lord. Well, beloved, that's what's going to happen for Israel. That's the future. That's where history's going. It's great to know it, isn't it? and how infinitely greater it is to be a part of it. And we who know Christ will be there to experience it all. That's John MacArthur, the featured speaker here on Grace to You Weekend. Today he continued his study from Zechariah called The Return and Reign of Jesus Christ. Along with ministering on radio, John is also president of the Master's University and Seminary. John, we've been talking a lot about the return of Christ, and it reminds me that so much in Scripture that talks about the second coming is given to urge us to be ready, to be prepared, and and to be expectant that Christ could come at any time. If someone asks you for practical advice, what do I need to do to be prepared for the coming of Christ? How do I prepare myself? What things do I need to attend to? Well, first of all, we don't know when he's coming. Uh, he even said, no man knows the day nor the hour, not even the Son of Man. So in his incarnation, he set aside even that knowledge. The idea is what we call imminence, that his return is imminent. It, it could come at any moment, and that's the way God designed it, so we would all live in anticipation that it could happen at any point in our lifetime. And that calls us to purity, that calls us to service, because when he comes, um, it's going to be the end of our opportunity to serve him, and our eternal reward is going to be based on that. And you say, well, you know, are we working for an eternal reward? Yes, we are, because the Lord promised to give us that reward. And uh, you say, well, isn't that a selfish thing? Not at all, because the way we, we read the Scripture, when we receive that eternal reward, we turn right around and lay it at his feet. It mm. becomes... It becomes the the content of our heavenly worship mm. to him. So 
I'm not looking for crowns stacked up on my head. I'm not looking to have badges on my arm in heaven, but I, I want to render to the Lord everything I have here because he's worthy of that. So I, I think service and the opportunity to be um, to be as fruitful as we can be and to walk in as much purity as we can be secures for us a greater degree of capacity in eternity to give honor to Jesus Christ. And I can't think of anything more important than that. And by the way, this and a lot of other things are discussed in the book we've been talking about the last few days called The Second Coming. The title's pretty clear. It's looking at his return. I know you hear about that a lot. You hear about terms like amillennial, premillennial, postmillennial, pre-tribulational. And these things get thrown around. Unfortunately, um, there's a lot of error on this subject, but the book of Revelation is clear, and the Bible is clear. Jesus even preached a monumental sermon on his own second coming. All of this is in one book that I've prepared, and I'd love to get it to you. It's called The Second Coming. It's available from grace to you and affordably priced. You can order one today. Friend, the return of Jesus Christ is not some remote possibility. It's a sure hope, and you could see it fulfilled in your lifetime. This book helps strengthen that hope. It also shows you how the promise of Christ's return should change the way you live right now. Pick up a copy of The Second Coming when you get in touch today. The softcover book is reasonably priced, and shipping is free. To order, call us toll-free at 800-55-GRACE or visit our website, gty.org. This book, The Second Coming, is also available in Spanish. Get your copy when you call 855-GRACE or visit gty.org. And when you visit gty.org, make sure to download the Study Bible app. This free app gives you the full text of Scripture in the English Standard Version, the King James Version, and the New American Standard Version along with instant access to thousands of online resources. And with an in-app purchase, very affordable, you can download the notes from the MacArthur Study Bible. That's an additional 25,000 notes that help you understand what you're reading and helps you apply it to your life. The app, again, is titled The Study Bible, and it's free to download from gty.org. And now for John MacArthur, I'm Phil Johnson, inviting you back for our next broadcast. John's going to show you one of the clearest pictures of God's grace. It's from the Old Testament, and it's part of the next installment of John's current study, The Return and Reign of Jesus Christ. Be back next week for another 30 minutes of unleashing God's truth, one verse at a time, on Grace to You Weekend. It will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and His
and now we have stories by Goofish here on Chippy Toe Radio.
pastor told his congregation to speak prophecy to one another, but his definition of prophecy included visions of sharks and pirate ships. Lord, what would you want me to encourage Danny with? And then I'm quiet again, trying to listen, and then automatically in my head, there's a picture of a ship, a pirate ship. There's like cannons on the pirate ship, and there's a shark chasing the pirate ship. Prophecy is not praying for people and then sharing whatever random stuff pops in your head. The Bible says if someone speaks in the name of the Lord and it doesn't come true, they've spoken presumptuously and it isn't from God. What if we're only talking to ourselves? What if we're like, okay, Lord, will you show me somebody? And somebody pop in our head, and that's just us. So what? Oh, no, you're going to encourage somebody. Right? Like, what? Why would that be this terrible thing? And, and then, what, what if I'm wrong? Those are the two big things that just haunt. We get it wrong and they stone me to death. I already said that's not the kind of prophecy we're making. So it's okay to lie to people and take the Lord's name in vain as long as it's positive and encouraging? On the contrary, the Bible says speak the truth with your neighbor and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What the pastor is unintentionally arguing is that scripture isn't sufficient. All the promises of God given in his word through his son Jesus are not enough. And we need personal revelations of sharks and pirate ships in order to encourage someone. The Bible is the prophetic word fully confirmed when we understand the text. That is when we understand text, um, also known as what, W-W-U-T-T, and it's on YouTube and also on their website, www.tt.com, www.tt.com. And let's see, what we got next for you is song by Go Fish called Shelter in Time of Storm here on Truth Be Told Radio. Shelter in the time of storm 
diamonds, they're not forever. This is Kent Ham, an Aussie transplant with a passion for sharing God's word. Diamonds are formed 100 miles below Earth's surface. They can only survive in a narrow zone called the Diamond Stability Zone. Above or below, they break down into graphite, the so-called lead in pencils. This stability zone is actually found in rocks that were part of the original creation. Now, diamonds are brought to the surface by a pipe-like system formed from molten rock and cracks in the Earth's crust. This rough journey can easily destroy the diamond unless it happens very quickly. You know the special conditions of Noah's flood provide an excellent model for delivering diamonds? So the next time you see a diamond, remember, it points towards the truth of the Bible's history. Discover more about geology and the flood when you visit AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again, view a transcript, or share it with others at AnswersRadio.com. Yeah. Man, it's crazy how time flies. My mind tries to sit still, thinking how does one define wise? Feels like yesterday I was a newcomer, fresh in the game, ready to make the truth thunder. But as the beat plays, they lose wonder. After a few summers, the band's ready for a new drummer. Doesn't matter if you're not ready yet. Yesterday I was a cadet, now they call me a vet. But it's part of common sense that the artist's time will end. To the young, this topic can be hard to comprehend. They don't come close to understanding how you can go from most demanded to abandoned in the ocean stranded. Surrounded by the waves of your weariness, some things you only learn from age and experience. And it's plain to me that all the famous men you see, the time is coming when they will be a faded memory. Cause one day you hot, the next day you not. One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah. What in the world was your mind thinking? You couldn't see the sand of time sinking Cause one day you hot, the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah Better plan for the future, kid Time catches up to everyone, no matter who yeah. it is Whatever happened to so-and-so, that's what they wanna know Eventually we learn that they all come and go Today's rising star, tomorrow dies with scars Today they all struck, tomorrow you washed up I remember watching Jordan's Hall of Fame speech Thinking this is what it's like to watch the lame reaching gas But he tries to grasp what lies in the past Never to return what lies in the past Did he tell himself, was he lost or sober? Did he know it was all but over? The moment that AI crossed him over If I could be like, didn't include dying light Let's shine the light on the one they call Iron Mike Nowadays he's known for being all weird But back in 88, nobody was more feared at the peak of his powers, his opponents would retreat in moments he would eat and devour. Snuff with punches, but we must discuss this. Crushed it just enough to trust his toughness. Pride brings us to justice. You puffed up with smugness? You gonna meet Buster Douglas. Amazing that, which blazed like Petro. The new praise that made the waves in the metros. Was praised for days, but just a phase like retros. And fades like echoes. Echoes, echoes, echoes. Cause one day you hot, the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah What in the world was your mind thinking? You couldn't see the sand of time sinking Cause one day you hot, 
the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah Better plan for the future, kid Time catches up to everyone, no matter who it is What I'm speaking on is seriously welcomed by the few Even no experience to tell you that it's true On your radio station, this won't be found on the playlist Wisdom, the sound of the sages, resounding for ages The older I get, I notice it The whole of the script, hmm, it's found in the pages A holy writ, not the cash speech of the reverend But what a man sees under heaven Ecclesiastes 111 No matter who you are, death aims to stop ya Whether banker, doctor, or Frank Sinatra Before your time is done, meet the timeless one The dying, death-defying, rising, shining sun King Jesus, astounds and amazes He pounded the pavement to save those who were bound to their cages So let us praise the one who made the Everglades Our debt was paid, so in glory we'll never fade Never fade, never fade Hey, yo, they said it was over, man. They said it was over. But it ain't over. We just getting started. Yo, 7,000, we all at. Let's go. Stand up, stand up. If you truly love the son of man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive. And his fame is going to spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, stand up. Does anybody love the son of man? Trust. Jesus is the king, so his people we will sing. And forever stay worthy is the land. What's up? Surprise, no surprise, I'm back in your section With Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection More power than gravity, his knowledge and strategies Confound the academy, bow to his majesty He paid sin salary, took up blame on Calvary Those who love his name, spread his fame is the policy All eyes on the matchless price of his sacrifice That's prize, I'm after Christ and rise in the afterlife What, did we forget about the holiness of God or something? Did we forget that God owes us a rod or something? See the snake bruise when Christ came to save dude to hate truth, the gospel is not fake news Our debt is sin, the gospel sweeter than it's ever been Ain't nothing changed, let us in, we got the medicine It's still human emergency, the serpent attack You think Jesus can't save? That's alternative facts Stand up, stand up If you truly love the Son of Man, trust Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive And his fame is gonna spread across the land What's up? Stand up, stand up Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust is the king, so his people we will sing and forever stay worthy is the land. What's up? Listen to my composition Lots of rhythm but not tradition No kind of different But God's consistent No contradiction My proposition Through crucifixion He mocked and crippled His opposition It's not some fiction I'm spitting The son of God is risen And my incentive For godly living Is I'm forgiven Jesus came to unlock the prison And through the spirit He brings a new birth Like an obstetrician At times I listen A lot of Christian hip-hop is missing The proposition It's my suspicion We drop the mission Not to this But the word of God Is it not sufficient The doctrine is That the gospel fixes I shot condition, God the Spirit supplies conviction through proper diction. Against the backdrop of our tradition, the gospel glistens. A squad of Christians go out and witness that God's commission. Cause Jesus Christ got the top position, no competition. Stand up, hands up. If you truly love the Son of Man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive. And his fame is gonna spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, hands up. Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust. Jesus is the King, so his people we will sing. And forever stay worthy is the land. What's up? They want Jesus in the background like 
elevator music. But we gon' celebrate them, relegate them, we refuse it. They hate Christian hip-hop, I peep myself. They say we too redundant, well let me repeat myself. What I gotta say almost feels too real estate. Sit back and feel the weight of what a real estate. Cause yo, Jesus Christ got me in the real estate. I'm purchased property, I feel like I'm real estate. If the father wasn't gracious, no sin in them. Again, he came straight blameless, no sin in them. Again, nothing's been the same since, no sin in them. Again, fakers lack his fragrance, no sin in them. This is not the picture in a frame to still Jesus. Nah, we serve the rock, the harder than still Jesus. So how are we gonna be silent, let the world still Jesus? When the world and its trends pass away, it's still Jesus. Stand up, hand up. If you truly love the Son of Man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive and his fame is gonna spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, hand up. Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust. Jesus is the King, so his people we will sing and forever say worthy is the Lamb. What's up? Young Diamonds. This is Ken Ham, author, speaker, and blogger on science and the Bible's reliability. Diamonds are thought to be one of the oldest substances on Earth, and they are, but they aren't billions of years old. They're formed in creation rocks, so they're only about 6,000 years old. Now, you've probably heard of carbon-14, often used as a dating method. It can only last for tens of thousands of years. After that amount of time, it will have completely decayed. But researchers have found carbon-14 in diamonds. Now follow me here. If they're really billions of years old, there shouldn't be any carbon-14 left. But there is, and they're too hard to have been contaminated. They're not just beautiful, they point to the truth of the Bible's history. Got questions about the flood, geology, and more? Visit our faith-affirming website at AnswersRadio.com. You'll be equipped and encouraged at AnswersRadio.com. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine.
everybody heard. She got brave cause she understood. If you want a bad fruit, This is Ken Ham on a mission to strengthen the global church with God's Word. Geologists who start with millions of years have a hard time explaining the following, how the right chemicals and unlikely conditions needed to form emeralds came together at just the right time. Well, that's because they ignore the Bible's history. The relatively rare ingredients needed to form emeralds are found in different types of rocks. They find each other as they're transported and mixed together by hot water. Now, these conditions could only be met during major earth movements and rising waters, during mountain building. Well, the flood of Noah's day provides a perfect scenario for this to happen. Emerald should remind us of God's creating beauty from ashes. Receive daily email insights from Ken Ham when you subscribe at AnswersRadio.com. Visit our website for resources and answers to common questions. That's AnswersRadio.com.
Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. Lord, I'm 
writing this to you I really hope you hear my heart When thinking about describing you I really don't know where to start Can't start at the beginning Cause you are before the beginning Way before the beginning And this fallen world's distorted opinions It was just the holy trinity Ruling from infinity Glory blazed tremendously Loving one another endlessly Billions and billions of years ago Outside of what we know as time Nobody else was there to know But Lord, here's the thing that blows my mind As long ago as that was Long ago as that was, you have not changed, Lord, oh Lord, Lord, Lord. As long ago, as long ago, as long ago as that was, you're still the same, you have not changed. What can that mean? But my God is immutable. Immutable, you are beautiful, you never change, you remain the Immutable, beautiful You never change, never change Forever you reign, you remain the same You will never change, you will never change Immutable, beautiful You never change, never change I was thinking just the other day How you reign supreme by far Not just because of what you do But simply because of who you are like you in existence, you are God and you need no assistance Even though we show you resistance, you sent Jesus to close the distance That existed between God and man, according to your sovereign plan We changed many times in one lifespan, I've changed even since this song began Lord, I'm so glad that you're not like us, all that you do will certainly last You are the rock that we can trust, shows us back in eternity past As long ago as that was, as long ago as that was You have not changed, Lord As long ago, as that was, you're still the same, you have not changed, what can that mean, but my God is immutable, immutable, you are beautiful, you never change, you remain the same, immutable, beautiful, you never change, never change, forever you reign, you remain the About my ups and downs, all of my inconsistencies, all of my idiosyncrasies, still you pursue relentlessly. At times I wonder how this can be. Surely it's because of the cross. When Jesus paid the full penalty and bore the burden of sin's great cost. I'm saved by grace and faith in God. I look to Christ and I trust He died. So even though I'm being sanctified, I can't be any more justified. His work is finished, that cannot change. And with this knowledge, I am free. Forever this grace, it will remain because of what happened on Calvary. As long ago as that was. Long ago as that was, you have not changed, Lord. Oh Lord, Lord, Lord. As long ago, as long ago, as long ago as that was, you're still the same. You have not changed. What can that mean? But my God is immutable. Immutable, you are beautiful. You never change. You remain the same. Immutable, beautiful You never change, never change
Looking, we can see your design trace. But since the fall, this world is such an unkind place. With crime pace, seeking the devil's wine taste. In my case, I was just on a blind chase, a mind waste. Trapped in my asinine ways, but Christ raised himself, entered into time space. The vine breaks, so the branches could find grace. When light's rays hit the soul, the paradigm shakes. Sublime race, run at a predefined pace. Now me and Jesus are closer than intertwined lace. And by faith, we behold his divine face. So as we're lifting up our praise to you, receive it, Lord. The object of our affection, whom we adore. Falling in our misery, you daughter into history. The pardon of iniquity, startling the mystery. Oceans, the plains, mountains, the rain, the universe proclaims the glory of your name. And what am I that you called me to your side and took this out of stone and broke it open wide? This is Ken Ham on a mission to strengthen the global church with God's Word. Geologists who start with millions of years have a hard time explaining the following. 
how the right chemicals and unlikely conditions needed to form emeralds came together at just the right time. Well, that's because they ignore the Bible's history. The relatively rare ingredients needed to form emeralds are found in different types of rocks. They find each other as they're transported and mixed together by hot water. Now, these conditions could only be met during major earth movements and rising waters, during mountain building. Well, the flood of Noah's day provides a perfect scenario for this to happen. Emerald should remind us of God's creating beauty from ashes. Receive daily email insights from Ken Ham when you subscribe at AnswersRadio.com. Visit our website for resources and answers to common questions. That's AnswersRadio.com.
Rainbow Beauties from Catastrophe. This is Ken Ham, encouraging all churches to start their thinking with God's Word. Nearly all of the world's opals are found in my home country of Australia. Now that's because in nature, opals only form under very specific conditions. And Noah's flood would have produced just the right mix of conditions to allow opals to form. You see, opals don't take millions of years to form. It can be quick, under the right conditions. Actually, in the lab, they can be produced in just weeks. This man-made opal is almost indistinguishable from the natural-made one. Gems like opals remind us that God can make something beautiful out of anything. Even his judgment on the world, God can take any sinner and through his son, turn them into a thing of great beauty. Plan your visit to the full-size Noah's Ark with three decks of exhibits at AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again, view a transcript, or share it at AnswersRadio.com.
news out of Haiti, the largest, most powerful earthquake in the region's history. The federal judge's ruling is allowed to stand. This year's National Day of Prayer could likely be the country's last. I will be done. The number of hungry people worldwide has reached one billion for the first time since 1970. So let's just stay a daily bread and forget what just happened. A few moments ago, something crashed into the south tower of the World Trade Center. But the was from evil, the vine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This is my Father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres.
can shop all you want at Amazon.com, but you'll never be able to purchase eyeballs. <laughs> it's Don Friel, boing, and I, with my levitational power. So if you're here today and you thought, I can't be forgiven, I'm too bad of a sinner. You don't know how good of a Savior Jesus is. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, we're sin to the bound. Grace abounded that much more. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Wretched Witness Wednesday. My name is Todd Friel. I'm your host, the Wretch, the song refers to, uh, we believe in you. And I I really do mean that in the smarmiest way possible. But we do. We believe in you. Why? Because so many of you have responded to the Big Toe Challenge. What is the Big Toe Challenge? It's a distribution of this here booklet called Don't Stub Your Toe. That's what it said right there on the box. Don't stub your toe. And we have ordered 20 thousand more of these booklets here is a grainy picture of all of them in our warehouse would you please consider taking the big toe challenge i think i've got an idea um this box i think is so magnificent zach why don't you just get a tight shot of that that's good yeah that's a good looking box right there if you want to just consider getting a copy of Don't Stub Your Toe or maybe 12 or maybe 52 and give away the gospel. Tens of thousands of these booklets have already been distributed. Would you please consider distributing even more wretched.org? And as long as we're talking about Don't Stub Your Toe, how's about our new website? That's right, don'tstubyourtoe.org. It'll actually take you or a loved one to the wretched website. What will they find at don'tstubyourtoe.org? Hey, what do you know? They're going to find Don't Stub Your Toe so that they can actually read it online. Maybe you can't give somebody a booklet, but you could send them a link with don'tstubyourtoe.org. Not only will they... Now I'm sounding schmarmy again. Not only will they be able to read Don't Stub Your Toe for real, we think it's a spiritual gift. Not only will they be able to read Don't Stub Your Toe, but they can also watch The Biggest Question, a wonderful law and gospel presentation. Of course it is. It has Emil Easy Zwain. Some will say, but wait a minute. God is supposed to be a good and a loving God, so he shouldn't judge people. But is that the way that we look at things from the perspective of our own justice system? I mean, think about it. If someone were to harm you or the people that you care about, or if they were to steal from you or maliciously damage your property, What would you think of a judge who would look at that person in this courtroom and say, you know what, I'm a good and a loving judge, and because of that, I'm going to dismiss your case and let you go? Would you think that that judge is truly a good and a loving judge? Of course not. Goodness and love will see to it that justice is served. So then why do we hold the God of the universe to a different standard than that? What would you think of God if he were to not pass judgment on people like Adolf Hitler or Joseph Stalin or on rapists or child molesters. But see, God's justice can't stop there. It must also extend to those who have lied and who have stolen and who have coveted and who have used his holy name in vain and who have broken any of his commandments. Because God is good and because God is loving, 
His justice must be thorough. God cannot and he will not wink at sin. Did you catch what he's doing there? He's opening up the law. That is what must always precede the gospel. Law to the proud. Grace to the one who has been humbled by the law. We must first awaken the conscience. We've got to go in there and stir around a little bit, maybe put some paddles on that thing that might be a little bit dead at the moment to awaken the sinner to the knowledge you're actually a sinner. The conscience is your ally. You have a friend. Think of it this way. I stole this from Ray Comfort, as I have so many other things. Ray Comfort tells the analogy, you're a spy. It's 1942. You go into Frankfurt, and you're going to hook up with an ally. So what do you do? You go to the restaurant. You see somebody sitting there, so you sit down next to them and say, Rome's traffic is abysmal at rush hour. And what do they say? But the poppies in Holland, they grow better when the windmills are running. And you go, boom, made the contact, got myself an ally here. Bingo, when it comes to witnessing, you use the law, which goes about the business of finding your ally, the conscience. was from Richard, and that's our um, radio show, uh, podcast, and also a uh, TV show, and you can find it at wretched.org, W-R-A-T-C-H-E-D.org, wretched.org. And thanks for listening to me, and let's control it here on Truth Be Told Radio. Our website is truthbetoldradio.com, truthbetoldradio.com. And here is some Bakwita.
This little light, this little light, gonna let it shine, let it shine, gonna let it shine, shine, shine.
just a little light of mine, like a fish. And now we have Shining with Turn It Off here on Tributory. Let's take it back to the foundation Jesus Christ's impact and his salvation I'm talking about Calvary where his blood was lost I'm talking the reality of the rugged cross I'm talking about death, burial, and resurrection I'm talking about reconciliation and election Yeah, I'm repetitive because we're slow learners Just that truth music, I am a sojourner Reporting to you live from the wilderness We strive on the pilgrimage Alive cause he's building his tribes in the villages Revive us in villas with eyes diligent For our rival who pillages Because he prowls around like a roaring lion But he's surely dying before the Lord is dying Defeat one was the cross, soon comes another loss Trust in Jesus, the ultimate undercover boss Hey yo, if you don't want the gospel, yo, turn this off You wanna hear a bunch of mumbling? Turn this off You want misogyny and guns? Yo, turn it off You got to turn it off, man, you got to turn it off You want Jesus on the low? Yo, turn this off You want me bragging about my flow? Yo, turn it off You want what's on the radio? Yo, turn this off You got to turn it off, man, you got to turn it off. I know it's been a while since I've been making songs. Some people even say, shy, yo, why you take so long? Sorry if you felt abandoned or hurt, but music took a back seat because we planted a church. How have I been? Thanks for asking. I can't complain. God is good. I've been enjoying my wife, enjoying fatherhood. I'm trying to think long-term sustainable. By God's grace, fruit when I'm gone is still attainable. I want to see new births and bound kids free. What good is making many waves if it tends to fade? I'm trying to produce works that outlive me. So God can use my pen to save when I'm in the grave. Writing this flying over the Atlantic. I just can't help but think about the Titanic. I preach Christ because many without hope will drown. This world is exactly like the boat. It's going down. Hey, yo, if you don't want the gospel, yo, turn this off. You want to hear a bunch of mumbling? Turn it off. You want misogyny and guns? Yo, turn it off. You got to turn it off, man. You got to turn it off. You want Jesus on the low? Yo, turn it off. You want me bragging about my flow? Yo, turn it off. You want what's on the radio? Yo, turn it off. You got to turn it off, man. You got to turn it off. Hey yo, it feels like the days of Noah This world is post-Christian, the glory days are over Cats thirsty for the fame and would sell So they babble as they try to make a name for themselves They're shallow with mirth, they try to flex and rebel But what you swallow on earth will be digested in hell It's so profound, you joke around, you get broken down By Christ who holds the crown and sees through you like an ultrasound He's the reason I write a piece of advice Trust Jesus to Christ, no matter your season of life Believe God and His promise, serve with fervor Before He plays the dishonest third shift Worker, a thief in the night, Jesus the light of the world, he's our delight, the reason that believers are hype, he won't leave us despite our previous life, the deviant type, by God's grace get immediate sight. Hey yo, if you don't want the gospel, yo, turn this off You wanna hear a bunch of mumbling? Turn this off You want misogyny and guns? Yo, turn this off You got to turn it off, man, you got to turn it off You want Jesus on the low? Yo, turn this off You want me bragging about my flow? Yo, turn it off You want what's on the radio? Yo, turn this off You got to turn it off, man, you got to turn it off Yeah, I mean? Shout out to all my Christian soldiers repping Jesus Christ on the front lines Big Juice, what up? Bless Nazarite, I see you. Yo, Eshan, what up, man? Jackie Hill Perry, keep rapping up, sis. No matter what, keep rapping up. Keep rapping up. That's all we got for a trippy story.
where they go out with the BRBLE by Yanti and Friends. Bye for now. <laughs>